out the coupe at the lot. Told him for a 12 fuck swat. Buzzing all the bells out the box. I just hit a lick with the box. Had to put the stick in the box. Mm. Pour up the whole damn seal. I'ma get lazy. I got the mojo deals. We been trapping like the A's. All right, all right, all right. Steve Nash story is coming. Before we get there, you know I got to talk about the retreat. Creating Space Kiowa is coming on March 5th to 8th. Close your eyes and imagine this. 12 high-performing, sweaty entrepreneurs who want to go deep in fitness, wellness, nutrition, social media marketing secrets, want to learn about how to find their voice, want to learn about how to continue to grow a fan base of blue chips that will uh, purchase with you over and over and over again. People that want to build their network with other like-minded individuals and continue to push themselves outside of their comfort zone, as well as identifying what they need to do more of in their life and in their business and what they need to do less of. That's Kiowa. That's kicking off March, the first weekend of March on the coast of South Carolina last year in March in South Carolina at Kiowa Island. It was 75 degrees, no humidity. It's going to be an amazing time. I'm looking for 12 individuals that want to join us, want to go deep, want to continue to develop themselves, and want to meet badass individuals like themselves. Want to be a part of it? You like the way it sounds? Can't wait to hear from you. Made it easy for you to connect on it. You're going to pull out your phone. You're going to open up the text box, little CS Retreat, all one word, CS for creating space, retreat to 31996, CS Retreat to 31996. 996. That's going to prompt you a text message return that you'll be a little link. That link will help you get onto the wait list. And from the wait list, that'll initiate your opportunity to fill out the application, begin the application process. So without any further ado, let's get into this Steve Nash story. One of the best stories I have in my locker. Let's go. Pulling out the coupe at the lot, told him for a 12 fuck swat, buzzing all the bells out the box. I just hit a lick with the box, had to put the stick in the box. Man, oh man, oh man, I'm rubbing my hands together right now because this Steve Nash story is one of the best stories I have in my story locker. Like, I open up almost any of my keynote speaking engagements, especially when I'm speaking to students about the story of Steve Nash because it's just so juicy. Um, and it really is predicated upon the power of alignment. I really do feel that when you're aligned with your purpose and you're walking in your path, I really do feel like things come your way and things happen in a magical way that are just so far beyond explanation that it just needs to be enjoyed and in some way shared, right? Some people are not quite like me and like to shout from the top of mountain peaks when, when, when these synchronicities, these moments of synchronicities happen. But me, and it comes to my idol, Steve Nash, I'm going to tell this story to the day I die. I envision myself with grandkids upon grandkids sitting around a fire, and I'm going to tell them this Steve Nash story. And it might be the most requested story when I get to that age, hopefully I have more and more of these types of experiences, but I'm sure you have. Now think about it. When we talk about these moments of synchronicities or these powerfully magical moments, think about when you've been going to text a friend or you've been thinking about a friend, let's say, and that friend who you haven't spoken to in years, months, weeks, 
all of a sudden beats you to the punch and text, text you. Think about those moments. What about some smaller moments? Maybe you're waking up to 5.55 or you're looking at the clock at 12.12 every day or 11.11 is exposing itself to you more often than not. Or these repeating numbers, these sort of moments of synchronicity, it's very hard to explain. You could search Google all day long. You go to shamans. You could you know, go to tarot card readers, whatever your form of trying to grasp the explanation is could be, you know, whatever it may be. It's hard to explain. For me, the explanation is simple. It's the, the awareness that the direction that you're going has uh, continuity. You're on purpose. You're in your path. And so it's, it's really interesting for me to talk about this Steve Nash story because it, it just feels how the world of my past, which is professional athletics, and the world now of speaking in entrepreneurship, how they have collided and how one individual who was one of the coolest parts about me being drafted to Vancouver in the first place has now been a bridge to help me have solace when it comes to continuing to have faith in the direction that I'm going. Because it's not easy. Those of you who are solopreneurs, those of you who are small business owners, you understand that building a business from scratch, especially a business that's online, is a tough road in the beginning. And you really have to uh, you know, be a great business owner, a great visionary, a great practitioner. You have to continue to study and learn and be progressive with your development. It's, it's a full-time job on top of a full-time job. And it's a, it forces you to hopefully become a very well-rounded individual. Now, it can be very easy in our day-to-day lives for us to forget about the magical things that are happening around us because we're so hyper-focused on what's happening on the day-to-day, what what our goals are, what the tasks are that need to be done from day-to-day. And all I'm asking you to do today, whether you're in your car, you're on your run, or wherever you are listening to me right now, is I'm just asking you to be open because the power of the Steve Nash story is undefeated. I've seen it whiplash the heads of students because they couldn't believe it. And in order for me to do my best I can to tell it, Let me take myself back to 2009 when I was drafted to the Vancouver Whitecaps. I was this fresh, young, vivacious, mullet-wearing, country-speaking kid out of Charleston, South Carolina, who was so happy to finally have a home with a club. And I got drafted to the Vancouver Whitecaps, who in 2009 at that time were a second division team. It was called the A-League. But we had just gotten our MLS bid. And for those of you who are in Charlotte, you know, you were on the on the heels of Charlotte just getting, uh, I believe it's the 30th franchise. So Charlotte will be a MLS franchise in 2021, which is very exciting because it's two years away, just like uh, what it was in 2009 when I was coming up to Vancouver. One of the unique selling points for me to go to Vancouver was that the GM and the coach was telling me, hey, look, we've gotten the bid to go MLS, although you didn't get drafted in the MLS Super Draft where we saw you. Uh, we think that if you come in, get massive playing time and develop well, we'll bring you onto our roster and you'll be a key piece of, of that growth into Major League Soccer. So cool. Can't wait. They also said, oh, by the way, one of the minority owners of the club happens to be this guy by the name of Steve Nash. Have you ever heard of him? And I was like, what? Steve Nash, you're talking about the two-time NBA MVP, should have been a three-time 
NBA MVP? And they would look back at, back at me as, as they were astonished that I knew who he was, a young kid from South Carolina, knowing Steve Nash. But what do you mean? Everybody knows Steve Nash. And they laughed and they said, yeah, Steve has bought into the club. He's going to be a minority owner and he's going to be around. He's actually a fantastic soccer player. He might come and train from time to time with you guys. Now, for any of you who know me, you know I have always been a huge Steve Nash fan. He is a, uh, he's a masterful player. He's a five-tool player, has all aspects of his game. And I believe as far as records are, are to be held, um, Steve Nash is like the all-time highest free throw percent shooter. Not only that, he's got one of the top 10 in assist, top 10 at, uh, in, in all-time career percentage from three-point, uh, just could do it all. And he's this little Canadian white guy from uh, the coast of Vancouver out uh, in uh, Vancouver Island. But anyways, not only that, Steve Nash's brother was the captain of the team at the time, Martin Nash. So the Nash family was all around the white caps uh, in the Vancouver scene. Okay, it's it's just a very well-known name in the British Columbia community, in all of Canada, to be honest. And so I'm ecstatic. I'm excited to get up to Vancouver to begin my professional journey, to potentially meet my idol and to get to play under his brother. This is amazing. So I get up to Vancouver and within six months, it was the off season of the NBA and Steve Nash is coming up. He had this Steve Nash Foundation um, where they played a, uh, a like a street soccer game um, and Steve Nash came and I remember wearing my jersey I had a Steve Nash jersey from college I remember wearing the jersey getting to meet Steve getting the autograph Claire you better never wash that jersey ever don't ever wash <laughs> she's laughing at me right now as I'm pointing at her and letting her know that that jersey is uh it's not framed yet but it cannot be touched it is still holds the sweat of that day because that was the day that it was real to me that I was not much different than my idols. That I was able to look at the people that I had watched from my childhood and see that there wasn't much different between he and I. And I'm not sure why I had always put my idols, those high-performing athletes, on such a higher pedestal than me at the time. But that was the first time that that ideology began to crumble. And Steve Nash became no longer my idol. Steve became a friend. And it was really interesting over the process of the next four to five years as I would see Steve more and more. He'd come and train and he'd uh, sit beside me in, in the locker room at times and we'd connect and just chat about life and everything but the game of soccer. Um, it was really interesting to see how that molded my love for the guy, Steve Nash, because he was so much more of a human. And if, if any of you have seen... Um, what Steve's been involved in since he, you know, left the game of basketball. He's now involved heavily in soccer. He's, you know, up there commentating with uh, Stu Holden on World Cup qualifying games. I mean, the, the guy's created and directed and produced movies, uh, documentaries. It's really phenomenal to have watched his career continue to grow since the game of football. So anyways, so fast forward to this year. 2019. It's now five years since I've seen Steve Nash. Haven't been to Vancouver since 2014. I'm as far away from that life as a professional soccer player and a Whitecaps player as I've ever been in my life. Okay? Detached, to say the least, from the game of soccer and anything that's going up in Vancouver. Now, during this time, I'm managing Charlie Rocket's career. 
okay? Former Grammy Award-winning hip-hop manager, managing the, the careers of 2 Chains, Travis Porter, Young Dolph, RIP Bankroll Fresh. This guy has comp- made a complete shift in his life from 305-pound Grammy Award-winning multi-million-dollar hip-hop manager to, you know, 190-pound marathon-running uh, Ironman triathlete uh, professional speaker. And I'm now managing his career, helping him monetize, build a business around uh, what his brand is and what his message represents. And we're beginning our speaking journey. Now, at that time, our goal, as any speaker's goal or any business or brand's goal, is to figure out where the audience members are of our blue chips and to get in front of them. Okay, so our strategy was simple. We were sitting in front of each other and we said, okay, our blue chips are these types of people, these young millennials, all right, 18 um, to 35, 40-year-old range, men and women, people who have gone through something in their lives. Maybe they're struggling with weight. Maybe they're trying to have success in their business. Okay, these types of blue chips uh, who are on social media, listening to personal development, motivating themselves daily to succeed or wanting to get themselves out from a stuck position. That's our blue chip. We're trying to figure out where those people are. And we looked across the landscape of the podcast. We knew that in order for us to to grow our message, that we had to get on bigger and bigger podcasts because those podcasts were, um, they they had a reservoir or an entire ocean of people that were loving and listening specifically to that host. And so, you know, there's big podcasts in the game, the Jay Shetty's in the game, okay? Lewis Houses of the game, Ed Milet's of the game. And we were doing the best we could to try to knock down each one of those top podcasters so we could get in and we could uh, create more notability, more recognition in the industry, and we could continue to grow, build our fan base, all right? Now, little did you know, or little did I know at the time, was that all of these professional development style podcasts that I had always been looking at are relatively small podcasts uh, in the realm of all of culture, which is really important to, to think about. Not all people think like we think, right? You're tuned into creating space because you enjoy the motivation, the marketing, the mindset stuff. That's your jam. You wouldn't come here if there wasn't a piece of you that loved it. Now, What I failed to recognize as a young manager was just how powerful this whole YouTube entertainment world was. It's like the reality TV that I grew up to, like like real world versus road rules on MTV, like that mega stardom that the Jersey Shore had, the type of individuals that are now dominating those young 18, like 17, 18, 19, 20-year-old and college age individuals are YouTube personalities. And what we finally realized is a guy named Logan Paul, some of you may know him, a guy named Logan Paul was actually the biggest podcast on the entire podcast platform. Unbelievable the amount of blue chips, super fans that Logan Paul has. He's highly controversial, But at the same time, he's actually one of the better marketers that we had ever seen. We talked about it very often. Logan Paul, behind the scenes, he knows exactly what he's doing. Sharp, sharp cat. 
So we began to think, man, what if we went left field? Everyone else is trying to get on, you know, these other big personal development podcasts. What if we went completely the opposite direction and got into the YouTube personality world and got onto the podcast that some of the bigger YouTubers had? Their audience members are huge. And lo and behold, we had just when we went against the current, we had one individual that helped us get into one of the guys on the Logan Paul podcast, the Impulsive podcast. One of the guys' his name is Spencer. I'm sure you guys know Spencer. He goes by Spencer Vibes on IG. Go check him out. We had a direct pathway into Spencer. And Spencer had heard about Charlie's story, and he was amazed at the transformation. Okay, amazed at Charlie's weight loss story, the uh, receding of his of his brain tumor. Hey, he invited us straight onto the show. Now Logan, come to find out, didn't have much uh, knowledge about Charlie, but he trusted Spencer to bring on and identify and bring on good guests. So here we are. We're literally struggling to get podcast episodes, struggling to get paid speaking engagements. We are what we call lost in the sauce. Because we had been going downstream the direction that everyone else in our industry was going down, trying to bang down the doors of the same people that everyone else is going down. And we were having no success. And no one really knew who we were relative, relatively in our industry. But the moment we went the opposite direction, the third door, so to speak, to quote uh, Alex Benayan, as soon as we looked for the third door, not the obvious one, not the back door, but the one that was like, softly open, maybe the window to the side or like the small door that no one ever goes to. It was frictionless. And boom, we had booked the biggest podcast in the game. Charlie and I were going nuts. We couldn't believe it. This was our chance. We were going to tell the story to the best of our ability. We were going to create some marketing propaganda around it. And we were going to have a blast as we got our first real opportunity to get to get into the, 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 the biggest podcast game. So I'm in Charlotte. Charlie lives out in Manhattan Beach and I had to get to LA. I wasn't missing this. Was not going to miss this opportunity for us to get on our first of what hoped to be many very large podcasts and distribution channels. So as you can imagine, I run back to Claire. I'm like, Claire, we're going to LA. And she's like, babe, I can't. I'm an orthodontist. I got to stay here. And I'm like, all right, babe, but can I go? You're cool with me going? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead, babe. So I book a flight. Next day, I'm out to LA. All right, flying out to LA, but I have one thing that I must wear when it comes to good luck omens. And guess what that is? Yep, it's my Steve Nash jersey. Not the one that's signed. I've got like three other ones. But anytime something big happens, I normally suit up in my Steve Nash jersey to bring the good omens and the good vibes with me. And you better believe that jersey was on my back as I flew out to L.A. So I'm in the flight, buzzing. You know, I've got this high vibe, high energy. I remember I was such a, 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 a gleaming light of energy. I remember a guy came over, sat beside me because he was scrunched up in, a, in an, an aisle adjacent to me. And he came and sat down. I was like, hey, man, do you mind sitting if I sit here? Uh, you know, don't mind, don't mind me. I just need to get out of that scrunch position. I was cool with it. Sat down, came to find out through conversation. This guy was uh, managing big personalities on a YouTube space. He knew all the hacks to get into YouTube. He was giving me, uh, you know, all of the latest secrets to tell Charlie what to do when he got onto the show. I mean, it was one of the coolest, most synchronistic 
fantastic conversations I'd ever had because it was tuning up with the energy and the excitement of what was coming the next day. It just lined up perfectly. Couldn't believe it. But at this time, you know, at this age and all the cool things that have happened to me in my life in this uh, synchronistic way or this magical way, I knew not to take anything for granted. So I get off the plane. Charlie's there and his Tesla picks me up and we're riding back from the airport to his Manhattan Beach apartment. It's like a 20 minute drive. And this is when I feel like I fell into an alternate universe, an alternate reality. Because as we were approaching Charlie's home, the Tesla lady, who kind of sounds like Siri, spoke up and told Charlie that he needed to reroute around an upcoming wreck at Nash Street. Now, Keep in mind, I'm wearing a Nash jersey. I'm a big Nash fan. And now, we the only reason that the Tesla, if you've ever been to a Tesla, you know it's like a I, like two iPad link screen on the dashboard of the Tesla. The only reason it ever spoke up the entire trip was to tell us to avoid a wreck at Nash Street. And Charlie and I couldn't believe that it said Nash and I'm wearing the jersey Nash. Now, yeah, interesting, right? Some, some of you maybe think, ah, you know, it's just coincidence right? Get this. We navigate around Nash Street. It becomes, now it becomes a conversation because we're talking about it. Get to the apartment and it's evening time. We're both, you know, basically high on our own supply, high on our own great vibes and anticipation of the next day. We can't go to sleep. So we take a little tour ride late in the night and and we just ride uh, along the side of the shore and, and, and we sort of continue to, to strategize about how we're going to approach this Logan Paul experience. Needless to say, night comes, get up early, and it's time for the Logan Paul experience. All right? It's, uh, it's, I believe the podcast was set for 12 uh, p.m., all right? So we really couldn't, uh, couldn't spend much of our day doing anything else other than prepping to get up there. So we get up, and Logan Paul lives up in the hills, the Beverly Hills, man. It's a beautiful ride to get up to his apartment and even cooler to see that people who have created YouTube channels can build uh, massive wealth around what they do. It's really awesome to see alternative forms of businesses that, that can be created and success that can be had in so many different forms uh, and non-traditional forms these days. But anyways, we're riding up um, through Beverly Hills and we come to another stop sign. And on the heels of Passion Nash Street, the day before, me wearing the Nash jersey, guess what the one street was, which was the last turn before we got to Logan Paul's house? That's right, Nash Street. Another Nash Street on the, the next day, still following us. Charlie and I, we, we, we swear that we were protected. We knew that we were in some sort of alternate reality where we were being protected and guided and that we were going to have an incredible experience in Logan Paul's uh, podcast and, and in his arena. So we get, to, we get to Logan Paul's house. We get in. Charlie gives the best speaking engagement, the best podcast uh, delivery I had ever seen of his story. It went nuts. It was one of the most downloaded of all of Logan Paul's podcasts. Go check it out if you get a chance. Put it in your notes right now. It's just Google Logan Paul Charlie Rocket. You'll be able to check out that podcast episode. He comes on, he comes on to the, the entire podcast with like uh, an astronaut's backpack 
right? Remember rocket is his emoji. So he had an astronaut's backpack that Nike had sent to him when they uh, named him a Nike athlete uh, for the Colin Kaepernick commercial. They had sent him a, a, a couple of pair of sneakers inside an astronaut's backpack. And so he wore it onto Logan Paul's podcast because we had been instructed to do pattern interruption from the jump that we had been instructed that we needed to crash the entire episode into a wall and that that would create high stickability rate and people would learn to, to feel one way or another. They'd be polarized by us. They'd either love our, uh, our approach or they'd hate it. But we wanted to create some sort of visceral reaction inside of people to where they could make a decision early and they could either decide to go all in or to, to hop out. And so it's a great episode. One of the best, actually the best I've ever seen him uh, execute when we were, in the time that we worked together. And and I mean, there was no failing in that situation. Logan Paul has uh, knocked down all the walls in his garage, turned his entire garage and another room inside of his house into his uh, huge impulsive studio. I mean, the lights, the, the imaging, the multiple camera s- studio setup. I mean, you would have to be an absolute jabroni to fumble uh, that opportunity. You'd have to be locked in. The entire environment calls for you to bring your best. And Charlie did it. So we leave there, leave Logan Paul, knowing that we, we knocked it out of the park and we're driving back down Beverly Hills, grab some, some dinner um, and, and celebrate it, right? Early night, we had to get up early the next morning. I was out back to Charlotte uh, midday the next day. So we're up at sunrise. And Charlie lives about four blocks from the Strand, okay, from uh, this beautiful walking path that, uh, that is on the circumference of the beach there at Manhattan Beach. And it, it is where all the healthiest of individuals and residents are jogging, biking, skateboarding, and so on. And we're down there at about seven o'clock as the sun rising. We can't go to sleep any longer. We're going to this acai, this Brazilian acai bowl place in Manhattan Beach. Uh, so we walk down to the strand and we're on it. And we're just talking, sun's rising, people are playing volleyball, surfers out in the water. It's one of the most majestic, you know, most beautiful and serene uh, views that I've seen in my lifetime as we're walking down this. And we're just recapping the night. Can't believe that, that our career is probably going to go to the next level after this, this opportunity. We're going to be discovered by millions of individuals as, as Logan has millions of downloads uh, in his podcast and on his YouTube page. So we're walking, enjoying it. And I'm looking down the strand straight in front of me towards the direction that the sun was rising. And there was this dark figure riding towards me on a skateboard. And I remember saying to Charlie, like, yo, Chuck, I wish I'd have learned to skateboard when I was little, man. It looks like the coolest thing. Uh, and there were kids when I was in college that loved to do it, but I always was just a bicycle guy, never wanted to fall and, and, and break my ankle or skin up my knees or elbows, man. That just wasn't for me. And he laughed too. He was like, nah, man, fat kids don't ride skateboards, man. So, you know, we were joking, laughing at it. But I, as this individual who was skating towards me got closer and closer I noticed how tall this human was on top of the skateboard and I'm like damn Charlie that dude's tall man that's the tallest guy I've ever seen ride a skateboard and we were laughing cutting up and next thing you know you know that feeling that you have or that moment that you have where 
you see someone at a distance and you're looking at each other and then there's that sort of automatic moment where you both recognize who each other are and it, you can see it in each other's eyes that you recognize each other. And I shit you not, I'm looking across at this individual, big, tall, you know, uh, built human on top of this skateboard who's wearing a, a, a hat with his brim real low. I'm looking underneath the hat. I'm like, I know this. Holy shit, Charlie, that's Steve Nash. And Steve saw me right when I was looking at him. And he, we had that moment. He recognized it was me. I go, Steve-O. And right about that time, he was just passing Charlie and I on the skateboard. And in the coolest Kid Canada, Steve Nash way, Steve, who was wearing sandals, puts his foot down on the, gr- on the ground to stop his skateboard. And he was like, in this super slow, really sort of movie-like scene where he's stopping his skateboard with his sandals. And before he turns, he kicks the back of the skateboard up, catches it with his right hand on his trucks, and he turns around and he goes, Wes, what's going on, man? And Charlie, at this time, is standing beside me. He goes, no fucking way. I couldn't believe it. Steve comes up, gives me a huge dab. He's like, man, I haven't seen you in forever. How are you doing? I heard you moved to Charlotte. What are you doing? We caught up for like five minutes. I introduced him to Charlie. And I literally told him, I said, Steve, it's crazy that you're here right now. I wore your jersey two days ago to fly up this way. We've been seeing, we've been making Nash jokes because we passed two Nash, you know, Rose. We've been saying you've been our guardian angel. You're going to look after us. And dude, you're right here. You, this is crazy. And he was laughing at us, looking at us like we were idiots. Um, looking like at us, like we were probably on drugs, but Nash is, he's a, he's a hysterical guy. He made light of it. Um, and off we went, we went our separate directions. And as soon as Steve was far enough away on his skateboard, Charlie and I went nuts on the strand. We were like, Oh, no way, dude, this is amazing. And in that moment to round this all out on the lesson, I had been thinking the entire time before I went out to LA that I was giving up on myself and my career that I had for lack of early success had started to get on and manage the career of someone else because I had lost faith in my own direction, in my own message, in my own journey. And I don't know if you guys are believers out there, what you believe in doesn't matter to me what you do believe, but I was having a conversation with my creator, whatever that may be. I don't know, but I choose to believe that something bigger than me is watching over. And so I was having a little conversation before I left LA to LA. And I was saying, man, big guy upstairs, whatever you are, like if you could give me a sign that makes it so obvious for me to know that you want me to get back in the seat of sharing my message and connecting with people and, and, and buying into the direction that, that you wanted me to go and you put on my heart in the beginning. I would love for that to happen because I just feel misaligned. I really just feel like there's something that I'm, that I'm, I'm missing here and I need a sign. Now, regardless of what you believe, I knew in that moment that it was so obvious, so real, so tangible that 
There's no way it could be mistaken that my job and my journey was to get back into the seat and to continue the keep going message that I had created back in 2015 upon retiring the, from the MLS. I about said the NFL, like I can play football. <laughs> but from that moment forward, I knew what exactly I needed to do. I knew that my mission had gone adrift. And although I had learned so much through the time with Charlie, that it was time for me to continue the direction that I had begun years ago. Now, the story is nothing short of incredible. And I will love telling this story every day until the day I die, if necessary. If it will help you continue to remember that you're, gu- you're guided, you're guarded, you're being helped. At any time that you want to connect to something bigger than you and ask for something, a sign, or even just a moment to bring you peace, I hope that you do that. Because in my experience, any time that I've clearly asked, it has come. I've called it in. And whether it's you just needing peace, whether you needing answers, or whether there's big, uh, big struggles that you're having in your life with directions that you want to go, I hope you create that space for it and ask. I promise you, you will receive. The Steve Nash story continues to give me hope that when aligned and when purposeful, that the right people, the right messages, the right signs uh, will come to me at the right times. And the goal is for me to stay open and aware to it, to notice them, to celebrate them, and to share them. And that's my goal with this message and the Steve Nash story for you today. Celebrate those moments. Share those moments. Keep people inspired to continue their heart's journey, continue their purpose, and to develop their lives in ways where they're open and aware to all the magical things that are around them. All right. Love you guys. If you resonated with this story or, you know, a Steve Nash fan, I'd love for you to take this, copy the link in the podcast album, share it with a friend or post it back on to IG and I'll give you a share from there, man. This Steve Nash story feels undefeated to me. It's one of the coolest experiences of my life. Uh, And if you have a Steve Nash like story, I'd love for you to share it with me. Shoot me, you know, one of those audio messages inside of a DM as well. Would love to connect with you on some of the magical things that are happening in your life currently. All right, guys, love the shit out of you guys. Keep going. Pulling out the coupe at the lot, told him for a 12 fuck swat. Buzzing all the bells out the box, I just hit a lick with the box. Had to put the stick in the box. Mm. Pour up the whole damn seal, I'ma get laid.